Welcome to Glass Half Full Moon, where if we didn't build time machines out of cutlery, Full Moon features would go out of business. I am your main host tonight, your starring role, Casey, and I am, of course, joined by my partner in crime, Gabe. Gabe, have, have you ever feel like we've kind of just been going back and forth on things lately? I'm not certain. That might be because this is a two-person podcast and it it inherently needs to go back and forth. But I personally am offended by you saying that you are the main star when clearly Tim Thomerson is on the discussion table. Well, I mean, I'm just saying because I am our main host for the night. But of course, yeah, Tim Thomerson always steals the show. And that's what we're discussing tonight. Another wonderful Trancers sequel. Trancers 3. And we still have not watched the first one. Trancers 3 tagline, Death Lives. Which makes absolutely no sense in context of the movie. There was never a point where we thought he died, so no. This was also a super short one. Like... I would say without the opening and the ending credits, this movie was probably only about an hour and eight minutes long. It was otherwise a 75-minute movie, which is super short. Yeah, because, like, with credits, this was an hour and 14. So, yeah, this this was a really, really short one. So I'm wondering what the point of it was, if only just to keep the franchise going. Oh, the point of it was to rip off Terminator 2. Yeah, because... We begin our movie with opening credits that... Well, wait, wait, wait. We didn't answer the question. Casey, was this a good movie? No. Ooh. Mmm. Okay. Do you disagree? I thought this was a fine movie. I thought that this was a film that I didn't dislike my time with it. I, it's not a good movie, but it's not a bad movie. It's, it's a fun movie. Maybe it's just because I'm coming off of the absolute low that was Seed People that I'm finding this movie very endearing. It it had its fun moments, especially because this movie did not take itself seriously at all. Absolutely not. No, this movie, like, chewed the scenery and then spit it back out and handed it to you on a fancy napkin. Yeah, it was a very... Tim Thomerson seems to be a great actor... When it comes to acting in parody, I should say. He is definitely typecast, and this just proves that he's good at this particular character, which is our cop with a strange pedigree, with a shoot-first-ask-questions-later attitude, who is constantly trying to smooch anything with tits. He is quite the smoocher. Yes, but we begin our movie with annoying blue neon words and what sounds like the IBM production company sound that we all covered our ears at as children when they played before our VHS movies. I like these credits. They were very aesthetic. The IBM sound is what killed me, but I mean, it's, it's very simple. Their full moon features opening credits are usually very, very simple. Because well, here's the thing. These are more advanced than the last few movies that we've seen, which was just the the name, like the titles on a black background. This was the titles on a black background with a feather of feathering light effect around them. Blue neon words. Yeah. And, and 
we we get past our credits and we open up with a super duper dramatic voiceover of Jack Death. Doing his best Harrison Ford from Blade Runner. Leading into a super cheesy commercial for Jack Death's private eye business with some very obvious cue cards. It's a, I found this very funny. It reminded me of the sort of the RoboCop style of like I'd buy that for a dollar. Yeah, it you can tell it was meant to be a bad commercial and that's very funny to me. Like this was probably one of my highlights of the movie just because of how how knowingly bad it was. I will say one of my favorite jokes from this was he's obviously reading out the cue cards and one of the lines he says is We've got a sale going on from now till January 1. <laughs> Very funny. Jack Death. Can't read cue cards. Jack Death. Businessman. Jack Death. Hawaiian shirt owner. And the next thing that really struck me about this film is it looks like a fucking movie. They really stepped up the camera game in this film. That is true. They did. I will say I will agree to the, you know, that the the cinematography definitely has been bumped up a notch. No, and not just that. I mean the literal physical camera they're using is a higher definition than anything else we've seen. Oh, really? It's a it is a massive step up. I can't believe you've noticed you didn't notice. I watched this movie relatively late in the evening after I'd spent my day at work. Fair enough. But we open on a sort of corner store clerk being robbed at gunpoint and all of a sudden a time machine appears and casey how would you describe the gentleman that steps out of this time machine uh live action mecha bowser i would describe him as seiko gorman's cousin no i said uh live action mecha bowser he is like this purple man in a trench coat with fish eyes and a fin over top of him, but he's also got, like, a fucking Steven Universe gem in the center of his forehead for some reason. And he's just walking around like a cyborg, and he's going up to the clerk, and he's like, Where is Jack Death? And uh, it was at that point I'm like, Oh, I see, we're doing a Terminator. But it wasn't the Terminator that I anticipated. Nope. It was a, uh... Uh, an android that they have named Shark. It's a good name for an android, I'll be honest. His his name is Shark. And on, honestly, I, I saw him and my brain immediately went to the Bowser from the live-action Super Mario Brothers movie. Like he had been dipped in acid and then Yondu's fin from Guardians of the Galaxy was stuck onto his head. And a gigantic rhinestone was shoved into his forehead. He is, he looks like the villain from Captain, like a a Captain Planet villain. He does look a little bit like a Captain Planet villain. He looks like he would be trying to steal my breakfast cereal. (laughs) With those chompers, yeah, nothing's going to stop him from getting that cinnamon toast crunch. Not sponsored. And he, he... is here to find Jack Death, and we cut. We cut to Jack Death, talking on the, a payphone to his wife, and we learn he's getting a divorce. Yep, that's a shame. Yep, his soon-to-be ex-wife Lena, as played by Helen Hunt. Yeah, it seems Jack is just getting too involved with work, amongst other things. I 
I honestly wonder if it was him cheating on his current wife with his past future wife that did it. Well, he left his past future wife for his past past wife. (laughs) But now the past past wife is divorcing the future past cop. All of this is happening in the past of the future past. (laughs) After the past came back to the future to do the future of the past. Gabe, did you have a stroke? Do you smell toast? No, I have a fucking ascended and have understood this movie better than anyone else. <laughs> also, I noticed the subtitles are absolutely terrible. Oh, I couldn't leave them on. I couldn't I could either. Not leave them on. They were a whole line behind and absolutely misspelled because Jack asks Lena to meet him at a restaurant and they spell it M-E-A-T. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, these subtitles are not timed and they are misspelled. We also get a lovely shot of giant 90s phone, which I always find very funny whenever it shows up in an old movie. Yeah, it seems at this point that Jack has been degraded down to catching cheaters in the act for money. And while he's on the hunt, Jack Dunn gets accosted by live-action Mecha Bowser, knocked out and carried away. And Jack's target runs out and grabs the camera that he dropped to hide the evidence. Well, what I love is Jack's reaction to this giant, this giant fucking trauma nightmare is like, what the hell are you? (laughs) And then also like, you got a problem with what I do, take it up with your wife. She's the one that hired me. Like, guy, come on, act a little bit more serious. But if he had, had acted serious in any reasonable way, the movie wouldn't happen. So I guess... I guess we're gonna have to deal with that. Yeah, it's it's pretty obvious at this point that Transfers 3 did not take itself seriously. And honestly, I think that kind of worked in its favor. I'm here for it. And after Jack's target steals the evidence, Shark takes... He, he takes Jack back to the convenience store where he left his time machine. And a cop is just talking to the Chinese man who owns the store doesn't even notice him walk in with a KO dude slung over his shoulder. Well, he does. He does afterwards. No, but, like, you'd think that the first thing you'd notice would be someone walking in on a crime scene. And, oh, right. And seeing live-action Mecha Bowser. I feel like there should be more than one cop, if I'm being frank. That, too. Obviously, this guy is the best cop ever. We need to promote him. And... Or he should just get into retirement because he gets knocked the fuck out by Shark. And then Jack Death goes back to the future. Jack gets back to the future. So it is in this scene that did you notice the apple slicer attached to the time machine? I paid very little attention to the time machine. I have a picture of the cutlery attached to the time machine i'm going to send to you send it to me it's it's so egregious because it is so blatantly just a fucking apple slicer yeah okay yeah that is indeed a uh, an apple core and you get a better view of it here i'm also pretty sure that below that is a dish drying rack oh yeah absolutely this time machine is made out of Whatever the fuck. <laughs> they done raided the dollar store. It is absurd. And you can see that the handle is just like a door handle you'd pick up at Lowe's. 
And I, there's also a few, like, tin pie plates on there. And it is so egregious to a point where I need to ask if this was on purpose. Do you think this was on purpose? No, but I hope so. I hope that it was, like, the future is in such shambles they're making time machines out of whatever the fuck they could find. No, I mean, I mean that the production team, when they made this prop, was like, fuck it. Let's do it as a bit. Let's just make the prop a bit. Make it so blatantly just made mm. out of trash that's meant to be future technology. I don't think I don't think it was on purpose on that on that front. Okay. But it is at this point that Shark is leading Jack Death through the base, and every single corner they turned, there was a guy with a shotgun waiting to shoot them. But Shark needs to do like this, uh, like salute to make sure that they know he's their their friend and it it got to a comical amount where jack death just looked annoyed like okay yeah we get it there's there's a lot of security here let's just keep can we just keep moving at this point we find out that jack got summoned back to the future because transers be a problem again um and apparently live action mecha bowser is a friend he is a giant friend he's a large friend <laughs> he is it was at- he is a large pointy friend <laughs> It was at this point that I realized we weren't doing a Terminator, we were doing a Terminator 2. Because the general here is so clearly meant to be John Connor. It's egregious. Yeah, this this guy's name is Harris, and thankfully we don't see too much of him. Also, McNulty from the last movie is dead. McNulty is dead. Uh, Alice is a colonel now. And holy fuck, some of these lines... uh, Commander Harris is like, we lost count at a million transfers down, and by the end of it, I was sending ten-year-olds into battle. Just like, what the actual fuck? There was a foot of blood in the streets. It, okay. I get it. But also, it's dumb. Yeah, so, they, they take Jack from 1992 back to 200 years in the future from that point. So they can send him back to 2005 when the Trancer Uprising happened. So he can stop it at its source. I love it when old boobies take place in the future from when they were released. When it's still so far in the past now for us. There are some very good points I want to make mm-hmm. later on as far as 2005 history. I know. It's, uh, it's, but it's so good. I need to get into the time travel here. If you could just have sent people back in time at any point, why wouldn't you immediately be like, oh, let's go back to the past. Let's bring some kind of information to prove to the U.S. military that we are the future military. And we present it to them as like, hey, there's going to be a bunch of bullshit. Let's stop it. Why would you never? Why is this the first time you're doing this? Because the military is uh, responsible for a lot of CD shit like MKUltra. Okay, two. So they say that Lena knows who starts the transfer bullshit, which is a lie. That's not true. But if that's what they thought, why not send Jack back to when he came came from? Be- because they actually explained this. Um, Lena didn't know at that point. But why not just let him live his life normally up to the point where Lena would know? 
because I think Jack needed to be taken away so they could form that divergent timeline to the point where Lena did know, so they had an in. So is this linear time travel, or are we dealing with Dragon Ball where there's alternate universes? That I don't know. Because I feel like we've there we are several alternate universes in. Because the last time we saw this universe, it seemed like totally normal, right? Yeah. It was totally just people going around doing their stuff. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh fuck, everything's fucked. We, this is Terminator 2 all over again. I don't know, but at this point, we get Trancers infiltrating the base, and might I just say, I love bad death acting. It's so good. I love it, bad death acting. Do you mean bad Jack death acting? Both. I love <laughs> bad acting from Jack death, and I love bad acting when people die. I will say that it's one of my favorite tropes in action movies when people just stand in the middle of the fucking room shooting at things while everyone else just absolutely misses them. Because Jack Death is literally standing in the middle of the room with like five guys with machine guns pointed at him and not a single bullet hits him. And then you get these trancers t- being taken down and their their death acting is so horrible it's the best. We get some good death acting later on, too. Or just some good, uh... Some good bad death acting. Some good fight choreography, I should say. With giant Q-tips. Oh. (laughs) But it is at this point, I I say again, the age difference between the actress playing Jack's wife and Tim Thomerson is making me uncomfortable. So, Alice takes Jack amidst this firefight back to the time machine and... Apparently, Jack Death is trying to practice polygamy across centuries because he's like, Alice, you're the best thing that's happened to me in two centuries. And they share a passionate kiss. I'm just like, you're still technically married there, Jack. It's just like, you need to figure out what you're doing. To be fair, if I were in Jack's position, I wouldn't know where the fuck was happening. I don't know, is this an alternate universe? Is this a timeline thing? Am I technically still married to this woman? How far back did I go? I don't know, but... Did the events of Trancers 2 change things? What's happening? I I don't know, it's like... I would assume that he's no longer married to Alice because he... Alice in Trancers 2 was sent back to take Jack back with her to the future. He chose to stay in the past with Lena. At that point, I think he gave up all rights to his marriage to Alice. Also, what happened to the fucking eccentric millionaire Jack was apparently best friends with from the second movie? He is, uh, there's a small mention of him later on, but we will get to that later. Because we return to the year 2005 to a booby bar, and we find out in this generation, apparently, trancers are fully conscious of their capabilities Sign up for their fo- sign up for it voluntarily, and it's some sort of weird military thing. But of course, there's a lot of weird military things that go on when you don't know it. Okay, first of all, do we get tits? Does this count as count as tits? Does um, bare br- does breasts covered in pasties count as tits or no? No, because there's no nip. No nip. Okay, that's the rule no we're nip. setting. Okay. No nip, so no tit. Okay. Second. What the fuck happened to Laura Lynn Bowie and his space crack? What? 
what was that all about? Was he related yeah. to the villain of this movie? No, I think he was related to the villain of the first movie, which we never watched. So I, I think they just make it up as they go with each movie. It's like, oh yeah, it's it's this this time. As far as the transfers now being sentient, I'm willing to believe that as a... Because this is the beginning of the transfer phenomenon. So this is kind of the prototypes of the transfers. Possibly. And I, so I, I, I was willing to suspend my disbelief there. But... We get one of the trancers who is just super fucking hype about a stripper. So much to the point where he smashes the glass he's holding with his bare hands. And he's he's going on like, man, there is nothing better than a stripper. And I'm like, nothing better than, you know what would be better? Touching some boobies instead of just looking at them. Unless that's just what you're into, I guess. And he, this man has a trapezoid for a face as well, I should say. And we learn that this whole bar is basically a recruiting area for the transfer program. Honestly, not a bad place to do it. People are drunk. They are very sure of themselves. And they're just like, yeah, I want to be fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. It's a very solid plan here. Also, did did you notice that the, the whole recruitment and, and whatnot, it kind of felt like a cult? A little bit. A little culty. It was kind of culty. The whole situation with, we'll get to the main guy here soon, but the whole thing around him. You mean him, mother. I'll get, we'll get to that. I have a lot of words about that. <laughs> it feels very culty. But then we get, in my opinion, the best scene in the movie where this trancer guy just goes whole hog on a bunch of chuckle fucks for no other reason than he wanted to. I don't think it was that he wanted to. I think it's more so that he lost control. Because if you notice the way they sort of quote unquote activate their trancer abilities, they have to get like super excited or whatnot. And I think he just he got too hot. And he lost control. I know, but it's still so great. Be it is pretty great. We get a great kill where this guy takes a pull cue, jams it right through another man's sternum, lifts him up in the air, and says, Asshole, corner pocket! And just throws him across the room. That is probably one of the best lines of this movie. <laughs> it's real good. It was a big... It was a moment where I audibly cheered while watching it. it. It definitely was not what I was expecting, and I liked it very, very much. But amidst all this kerfuffle, our agent Jason comes in to subdue this renegade trancer. Meanwhile, the blonde female recruit, who we later find is named RJ, completely absconds. She goes AWOL. I mean, good for her, to be frank. Yeah, good for her. She... At that point, we find that she has found Lena's uh, info as a journalist and decides to go to her. But shortly after this happens, our rec other recruits at the bar take the renegade trancer and his body down into the base where it promptly turns to ash. Yeah, our trancy boy, he turns to dust. And it, I forget, I don't 
remember the exact context here, but I did write out, this is actually shot like a movie in my notes. Because, yeah, there is actual cinematography here. Yeah. And it's after this that we meet our our principal villain, Colonel Daddy Mother. Mother. It, it's Colonel Mother, but they he goes by Daddy Mother as sort of a affectionate pet name by his recruits, which... Ugh. I... Ugh. Am I a bad person? For liking the name Colonel Daddy Mother. I think it's a very good name. It makes me think that you might need to set an appointment with your therapist. Oh, I already have those. It, might, it makes me think that you might need another one. I fe- It feels kind of... It feels almost like Kojima in a way. If you know what I How mean. How so? Well, it seems it's a name that isn't very badass when you think about it. But considering he is the source of all these trancers. Well, that's what I'm saying. If if there was a scene in Metal Gear Revengeance where there was a character who's like, this is Colonel Daddy Mother. Raiden, you need to go and fucking stop him from making these trancers. I would be, I would just straight up be like, cool, let's do it. Let's get into this. But then again, I'm a fucking weird person. I don't know. I don't know. My first impression of Colonel Mother was that he kind of looked like Slugworth from... Yes! Willy Wonka. Yes, he looks exactly like fucking Slugworth. Except a little more fat on him. A little more meat on him, because Slugworth was Slugworth was a bit more lanky. Yeah. I, I just kept looking at him, and I was like, he looks like Slugworth had a baby with somebody, and I can't place who it is. And then he has one of the female trancers perform fellatio on him. Yep, because uh, female recruits harassed by upper-ranking officers never happens. Never happens. This is just... No, yeah, there's no extra layer to this. He just makes his... What is effectively a a mind slave to him give him oral. Yeah, because what I gleaned from that scene was that Trancer train through sexual stimulation because apparently they unleashed the power through excitement. Which is why I gleaned that in the earlier scene with the guy who got killed, that renegade trancer, he just, he got too hot. He got too excited because it's a booby bar. Which is also probably another ulterior motive for it because it's a great way to test uh, their their subjects on whether or not they can actually handle it. I suppose so. But, and also there is a small scene where, what was his name? Jason was the one agent bureaucrat. Agent Jason's a fucking dweeb. Well, there was a scene where he's sitting there and reading over a dossier on Lena. And there is a... It it has her address listed up there. And I was like, okay, fuck it. I gotta see if this is real. I type it in. It's a real address in LA. It's Mm -hmm. not... It's not relevant to anything. It doesn't seem to be any kind of, like, production studio. Or not... It's not... It doesn't seem to be, like, a... uh, Anything like that. It's just a house, which I find very weird. I wonder if it was the, a house that belonged to someone on set. Very possible. It was sold in uh, 2013. And also, it costs roughly as much as this movie costs to make. Huh. Which... Honestly, with house prices right now, that sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. But... Anyway, Lena's walking down the street. She finds a newspaper machine. Doesn't know how they no, work. No, that's that's not that's not Lena. That's a uh, RJ. Right. 
they do a poor job of characterizing their females in this film. That is true. Like, I thought it was Lena at first, too, but nope. Nope, that is our uh, new female sidekick, RJ Garrett. And she finds a newspaper vending machine. She doesn't seem to know how those work because she goes to open it and doesn't open. And she just keeps pulling at it to try and open it. She might not have had any money to put it in. Yeah, but she tried to open it as though she expected it to open without her putting money in it. You never know. Could have been broken. Uh, Fair enough. And I don't know if you paused during the newspaper when they were showing it, but that story loops three times. (laughs) However, the story above it actually reads like an actual news story, so I don't know if they just pulled that from the local newspaper or not. I don't know, but at this point, Jack arrives in 2005, and immediately he falls straight into the garbage. I realize now, first of all, it would seem that physical location doesn't matter when it comes to this teleporter. So why why did it teleport Shark into a fucking mini-mart? I don't think you have an answer for me. Sorry, what? I wasn't paying attention. Fair enough. Two... Jack Death, it's very funny because he's doing the, like, monologue thing from these kinds of movies, Mm -hmm. but he's doing it out loud to himself in an alley, which I found very funny. Sorry, I got distracted. What were we talking about? (laughs) Uh, I found that Jack Death, he was doing that monologue thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Monologuing in the trash. And it was very funny because he he wasn't doing it. It wasn't like an internal monologue. He was talking to himself in the fucking alley, which I think is very funny. And then we get the sex scene. Moving on. I I genuinely don't think there's anything relevant we could say about that scene. Nope, just duh. Well, anyway, Jack Death finds his old office... But it's been sitting vacant for years, but alas, his key no longer works, it seems. And he just kind of nuzzles into the corner, real nice and cozy. And apparently he sleeps with a gun in his hand. I mean, who doesn't? Not in this day and age. <laughs> in 2005. But after waking up, Jack decides to take a stroll down the alley and find a homeless man who just who Jack just decides to bother. Well, he takes the newspaper that the homeless man was using as a blanket to read it and then he hands him a bundle of dollar bills and says here go buy yourself a bottle of warmth but i want to say he is giving 1992 money to someone in 2005 which is a huge difference in the buying power of that money oh yeah yeah gigantic difference there so what I'm sure Jack assumed he was giving, like, a, a decent chunk of money to this guy is actually just pocket change. Yeah. We we also find that Jack had been looking for Lena, but using her former surname of death. But no, he he finds Lena and, oh shit, she's moved on. She finds Lena and her rainbow child who loves baseball. And has an amazing hat that I want. Apparently, remember Hap from the last movie? He's still around. This child refers to him as Uncle Hap. And Hap owns the San Francisco Rockets. Uh, that makes sense. 
So that seems to be where she gets her love of baseball from Uncle Hap. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I actually like that. Yes. So we find that Lena has remarried and her surname is Forrest. And she says she has a very down-to-earth husband, which I took to mean that her husband is dead. I don't think so. Because if that were the case, when they were looking up Lena, the transfer department, they would have said that she was widowed with children, not married. So I don't think, I don't think he's dead. I think he's just not there. Fair enough. Well, Jack is trying to explain to Lena, like, hey, I was gone for like 12 hours, my time. I didn't mean for this to happen. And she's like, shut the fuck up. I don't care. Which, I mean, valid, but also, like, this man is literally a... His day job is saving the world. Give him the time of day. If nothing know. else, then, if you see him show up, just assume bad shit is about to go down. And, I mean, that's that's what she does. I mean... Well, yeah, but I feel like they argue about their personal problems a little too much for the fucking Terminator 2 future that awaits them. Possibly, but, you know, Jack can't let that shit go. But we do find that Lena has been harboring the transfer recruit that went AWOL, who done got cold feet and went to Lena to expose it all. Yes, RJ. Yes. Who is kind of violent, but also completely understandably violent. And. I immediately wrote down, I saw Jack Death lock eyes with a female. Said, yep, here's the new one. Here's the new girl. (laughs) Which is funny because after a bit of talking with RJ and RJ being like, okay, yeah, you're fine. Lena vouches for you. The only reason I haven't, I'm agreeing to go with you. Jack takes RJ along to go find the transfer headquarters. And we find that Lena has saved, after all these years, Jack's one true love, his Cadillac. It's the fucking red car. Jack has only one true love, and that is his Cadillac. That red car has more of a character arc than anyone else in this film. Yep. That's what I said. It's his one true love. I, so... And one last thing about this scene is it's where I realized, god damn, Tim Thomerson has some powerful eyebrows. Yes, he does. <laughs> I don't know how I've never noticed this before, but god damn, they're like two fucking caterpillars up there. <laughs> two very, very ancient fuzzy white caterpillars. Well, no, his eyebrows are, like, dark. Are they? I don't know. Yeah, remember. that's what kind of threw me off. His hair is, like, bleach white, but his eyebrows are... At least a dark gray. Oh yeah, you're right. They were very dark. It's very strange. That is indeed quite strange. But after this scene, we get the American Gladiator scene where these two trancers start going at it with foam Q-tips. Giant Q-tips! I don't understand why they chose to use Q-tips here. I don't either, but you know what? I'm here for it. Let the transers fight with giant Q-tips. Oh yeah, sure, totally. Also, it'll it'll swab up the blood much easier. They get some real meaty slaps in with these fucking things. I'll tell you what. There's some real hard hit hits here. And 
I know it's easy to clown on some of this choreography, but at the same time, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, this isn't bad fight choreography. I'm. It's not. They're, it's passable. They're really selling these hits. Yeah, it's passable. Especially Tim Thomerson in some of these later scenes is literally doing backflips over himself in order to sell getting hit. And I'm like, you know what? More power to you. Yep. It's very passable. Um, but we also, it also seems that like, instead of just saying, okay, fight over, they just, they just shoot the transfers with tranks when they need to stop sparring for whatever reason. Colonel Daddy Mother is a fucking crack shot with a trank gun. Yeah. He got that thing at 60 goddamn paces. Oh, and then we cut to one of the best bits of visual storytelling in this movie where RJ and Jack are outside on a beach and there's a lifeguard tower that has a big neon screen that Uh, says... The radioactivity level of the ocean? The radioactivity level of the ocean for that day. It's It's like an air quality level tracker. Except... Instead of tracking whether you can breathe, it's tracking whether you're going to glow in the dark. It's, it is, it's one of those things, again, where their vision of 2005 is so wildly different than our vision of 2005. I'm just sitting here thinking the ocean's made of chemo. (laughs) The ocean is made of chemo. (laughs) I noticed that too, and it, it honestly made me laugh so hard. And and Jack and RJ are just on this beach talking about the transfers program, why she left and why she joined in the first place. And she's just like, I'm a soldier. I got nothing else. I'm just like, okay, RJ, I, I get it. I, I will say, though, like our first our first instinct was that RJ was going to be the new love interest. And that actually didn't happen. And I'm actually very surprised. I'm very glad that Jack Death was able to keep it in his pants. For just long enough for the female to die before he need, before the his overwhelming masculinity overtakes what? her. Spoilers! This is Trancers 3 Death Lives. No one gives a fuck about spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, but then she they- shoots a cop. The cop turned out to be a trancer who had got, who had, uh, who had been sent to track him down and Jack's just like, how could you tell? She's like, yeah, she's wearing nail polish and jewelry. That's not regulation. Jack's just like, okay. I trust you. And my fucking Starbucks barista was wearing nail polish too, which wasn't regulation. That doesn't give me a reason to fucking shoot them in the mouth. Yeah. All I'm saying is she got lucky. She did indeed get very lucky, but it is at this point that Jack and RJ go back to the alley looking for his time machine, only to get accosted by the transfer recruits and Agent Jason. Aha, we're here. Fuck you. (laughs) They get accosted, they get brought back to Transfer HQ, and Jason confronts Colonel Mother about what this is all for, about why why he's doing all this, why they call him daddy, and it's just like, oh, that's disrespectful. And Colonel's just reaming on Jason, like, yeah, you've never actually been in the field in combat, have you? So- Big pussy. 
the backstory for Colonel Daddy Mother is that he was a part of the medical corps. Yeah, he was a combat medic. He was a combat medic. And he was like, I am tired of seeing soldiers die. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make them better. And they call him Daddy Mother because he was like, I was both father and mother to those soldiers out in the field. I literally, I feel like Kojima could have written this. Possibly. This, this genuinely feels like a fucking Kojima plot. Yeah, a I'm little bit. I'm not even joking. Oh, and we should say that Jason tries to fucking shoot Colonel Mother. He's seriously point. thinking about it. But he he's bitches got out. His, he's got his gun behind his back and... Might I say, Jason is a fucking dweeb, and his eyes are too small and too close together. He reminded me of someone. He reminded me of an actor, but I couldn't place it. Um, my first instinct was a low-budget BJ Novak. Could be. He was definitely one of those guys from those that thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely a guy from that thing. And meanwhile, Jack is being tied down to a table, and oh shit, Jack gets shot up with transfer juice. Ooh, Jack Death be getting that good good. He done get shot up with them drugs. Ah, shit. Oh, shit. There's, so, we should say that there was also this subplot of these two brothers. One brother recruiting his younger brother into the transfer program. And they're both getting turned into transfers. Because in this next scene, we learned that Colonel Daddy Mother is being... Funded by the U.S. military. He's basically trying to use the transfers as a tool for domestic terrorism under the guise of keeping the country safe and ridding the country of the scum that is declining its reputation and prosperity and whatnot, that kind of stuff. It sounds like some real ethnic cleansing. I'm gonna be real. Yeah, you ain't wrong. It sounds real problematic. I'm not going to lie. That's why I said domestic terrorism. And what? so there is one line that is my favorite of the this movie's interpretation of 2005, which was the colonel was like, yeah, all this technology is impressive, but it's just not profitable during peacetime. I'm like, oh, oh, poor 2005. If only you knew. If only you knew. And we get the scene where the older brother literally rips the throat out of his younger brother. Yeah, I'm I'm just sitting here like, he's going to be real upset about that when he comes out. <laughs> or not. Or maybe he just won't be. He's like, fuck, I, I hated him for so long. I don't know, man. I don't know. I I think that they're going to be real upset, but, you know, it doesn't matter anyway because uh, the senator they brought to observe the project was like, this is bullshit, bye, because Jack and RJ escape and they start just shooting up everybody they come can, across. So can I say that in this scene, RJ frees Jack from his restraints, right? Mm-hmm. And... During that scene, there is just a case, like a display case full of guns in this laboratory for no reason. Uh, convenience. It's a military base. They're really, if they are guns for convenience, why are they not on a rack? Why are they in a very clear display case 
that you would keep something unique inside. I don't know, man. Uh, they they fancy. They fancy bitches. But yes, they just start shooting up this entire fucking place. Everyone is walking out single file from this door, which is, again, I found very funny. <laughs> yes. Directly into the gunfire of Jack and RJ. More bad death acting. You say bad. I say memorable. I mean, just because it's bad doesn't mean it's not wonderful. Mm, fair enough. But then we get tension as RJ turns her gun on Jack because she is succumbing to the transfer mind control. They gave her another dose when they brought her back. And yeah, she starts succumbing and she requests that Jack kill her. And in a moment of kindness, he does. And then... Shark appears. Yeah! Deus Ex Sharkina. Fuck yeah, I love you, Shark. I'm glad you're here. (laughs) Okay, do you want to know a fun fact about Shark? Yes. So, the actor that played Shark. Yes. He played one of the horror greats. Is this Kane Hodder? No, it's not Kane Hodder. It's more obscure than that. But I want you to guess which of the horror greats he played. I want to say Leatherface. It, he did, in fact, play Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw 3. The one with a literal golden golden chainsaw. I was going to say, that's not Gunnar Hansen. It's, it is a guy who literally has... Let's see. I have a... R.A. Mihailov. Oh, is... Wait. Texas Chainsaw 3. Is that the one with Matthew McConaughey? I want to say... I'm looking at it now. Or is the or is that the one with Vigo Mortensen? It's one with Vigo Mortensen. Yeah, Vigo Mortensen. It's I was uh, this actor's uh picture in IMDb is just Leatherface waving around the chainsaw, which I found so very So he's very, fun. he's very comfortable with full facial prosthetics then. Yes, he played uh Jason in Debatably one of the worst uh, Chainsaw Massacre films, but you know what? Good for him. You said. Did I just say he played Jason? You did just say he played Jason. Oh god, I am going to be hung by the fucking horror fans. If I don't get to you first. Oh god, I am going to. (laughs) But yes, our live action Mecha Bowser is back as a Deus Ex Machina. Of sorts. Deus Ex, Deus Ex Android. Deus uh, Ex Sharkana. Yeah. And he shows up and then immediately turns off. <laughs> we get our final showdown with Colonel Mother. And he's just like, I will live forever. I will make a name for myself in history. Shoots Jack once. Gets shot twice. And then goes down smiling like a fucking weirdo. So I will say that this scene infuriated me. So Jack is sort of succumbing to the transfer mind control. And is starting to put the gun on himself. Yes. And my immediate thought is, okay, someone is going to come in and save him. I thought that Shark was going to reactivate and save him. Nope. No, Jack just just like, nah, I don't have mind control. I'm going to shoot you, though. Which is so unsatisfying. It would have been... And then... 
and then Shark turns back on. Shark turns back on. Because, of course, we can't have Shark saving the day. We have to have Jack saving the day. He's our hero. Do you think that was like a stipulation by Tim Thomerson that he needed to yep. get the final shot? Yeah, I think so. I still love Tim Thomerson. I do, too. I still love Tim Thomerson. And Shark is our good friend. Shark is very friend-shaped. Shark is indeed very friend-shaped. But they, for some reason, leave one transfer recruit living? Well, it seems that with Colonel Mother dead, the mind control is no longer effective. Plus, she's not going to be getting that regular dosage of the transfer juice. I would assume that, okay, we killed Colonel Mother. Even if they were able to salvage this place and, like, find the transfer serum, it's not going to happen this isn't going to happen again this isn't going to happen the way it happened before it's gonna it's basically dead in the water you say that but this is only three in a very very long franchise well we know what jack death's new role is as he is brought back to the future by shark and he meets up with the council composed of some woman some guy and his wife uh it was ruthie who was the scientist in the beginning who had turned her lab into the uh the barracks uh harris who was our um i forgot the name that you used before yeah this um, was the i'm sending 10 year olds into battle guy yeah uh john connor yes that guy and his wife and they're like cool so jack you did a good job you, you killed all the transers but we need to have a sequel, so you're now Time Police. I literally wrote Time Police. He is a time cop. He is Time Police. And his sidekick is Shark. They literally <laughs> said, and also you're taking Shark with you because... Because. How much you want to bet Shark doesn't show up in the sequel? I looked at the cast list of the sequel. Does he show up? I'm not going to tell you. I'll look it up myself then. <laughs> It, but that ends the movie. Jack Death is now di double divorced, and uh, indentured they end, into. They, they they end the movie with Jack about to say the stereotypical "This looks like the beginning of a beautiful friendship" line. Looks into the camera and just says, "Ah, fuck it," basically, and that's where the movie ends. That was. Absolutely an ad lib by Tim Thomerson. Oh, you know it had to be. And But that is where our movie ends roughly an hour and ten minutes in. Less than that. It was like an hour and nine. Well, an hour and ten before the end credits. I I actually I actually checked this. So this this movie was really only about an hour and seven minutes long. In total, without any sort of credit sequences. It was borderline a TV special. This was basically a TV movie. But that... And it was weird and cheesy and not good, but it was fun. So, Casey, would you recommend this to anyone? Um, I don't know if I would recommend it, just because I can't say I would recommend a lot of the movies that we've watched. Especially since this is three... And we still have not watched the first one. Right. I would personally recommend it to people that are a fan of this kind of schlock. 
I truly don't think you need to have seen the first two to enjoy it. If you are a fan of this very specific kind of Sherlocky movie. If you're not, avoid it like the plague. If you are, eh, give it a look. Shark has a funny, full face prosthetic. Shark is a joy. Shark is our new best friend. But maybe enjoy this one with some booze. Make some jokes. Uh, and, jo- and don't think too hard about it. But, Casey. Yes. What are we watching next week? Next episode is a sci-fi film called Arcade, whose leading lady is once again Megan Ward, who is Alice from this movie, but also stars Ralphie from Christmas Story, John Delancey, and Seth Green. Wait, is that is that Seth the Seth Green we know, or just some yes, actor? Yes, it is, it is the Seth Green. What? It is Oz. It is... It is Dr. Evil's son. It is that Seth Green. Oh, God, it's Chris Griffin. What the fuck? Yeah. Anyway, we will uh, be looking into that at another date. But in the meantime, maybe stay away from titty bars. You don't know whether you're going to be signed up for a military experiment or not. Statistically, you will. But until then, y'all have a horrible evening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.